0: Brian can you I don't know if it's going to have any effect on mine can you turn your camera off then back on you froze on me about two minutes ago <laughs> Ian is fine I don't I, I don't like other than completely <laughs> closing my yeah I got off uh, ah, BL voice there you go perfect <laughs> nope you froze again but no oh there you are okay this is gonna <laughs> it be... froze for me at like
1: that same point too that's weird this is gonna be fun
0: <laughs> So clearly it might not be my problem. <laughs> <It's>,
2: yeah, <laughs> Skype is always everyone's problem.
1: Especially, like, I don't know if Josh has the new one too, but that's just been fucking with me for the last, like, month.
2: I thought I updated it, and then every time I sign in to do the podcast, it's like, do you want to try Skype 10 or whenever? What you know? whatever the updated one is? And I'm like, no, not now. I thought I did this already, but I don't want it to fuck with me now. So at some point I'll probably have to play around with it a little bit more and see if it... Finished updating, if I still need to update, I don't know what the hell's going on.
0: I just upgrade whenever it tells me I should.
2: You got real deep for a second there. You went baritone, I feel like.
0: <laughs> I think maybe it was because the plate was in between my voice and the microphone.
2: <laughs> do you do you hear that too, Ian, or just me? Yeah, I hear it. It's a lot different.
1: <laughs> you do sound so
0: much is lower it, now. Is it still the same?
2: It, it got a little bit better. real yep. Thank Okay.
1: I mean, I kind of like it deeper.
2: <laughs> yeah, it sounds sexy. <laughs> I wonder if that translates.
0: I don't know if that's just us hearing it weird. I don't know. Is it, like, am, am I still, do I sound normal again or am I still lower? <laughs> I still feel like you're lower. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you don't sound like you, it's
2: just you a little bit bassier.
0: I don't know. I'm here I'm here to talk about movies and crap and tickets and companies being stupid and angry and
2: it does kind of make you just sound like depressed the whole time though <laughs> whatever Feel like it? I should just Like, I don't know if it's actually going to pick up that way when I play it back, like with everybody's audio file. (laughs) I should just call you a different name and see if someone recognizes you (laughs) as a different person. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bryganna Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Josh
0: Zorch. Hey, back again, folks. And Ian Leidick's back.
1: Hey guys, check out my YouTube channel, Base Wizard Reviews, where I'm doing a new weekly segment, All These Monster Girls in This Monster World, where each week I'll be discussing a new monster waifu. This week, it's the Siren, who is a song-loving harpy. Each time a man hears a Siren song, his resistance to it weakens. Eventually, each time he hears it, he is wont to increase the force with which he penetrates her. At times, her modes of pleasure merge into a single, orgastic melody, which enhances the man's libido, moving him to penetrate the siren deeper and harder.
2: I kind of checked out from that after he said penetrate the first time.
0: I just kind of stopped paying attention. I I said it twice. Isn't (laughs) that that basically what a siren is? I mean, that sounded like very passionate, but it basically just sounded like person- Encounters siren and they fulfill their pretty much known characteristic from all the lore.
1: Yes, but in this case, the siren's actually a harpy, so that <laughs> makes it sexy.
0: Fair, fair enough. Sure. Always, always it outside the box.
2: Wait, so are you back on YouTube? Like, is this because you took a break? So is this is this for sure? Are you back there doing videos <laughs> again?
1: You'll find out if you ever look at it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Point taken, says the guy who doesn't listen to the podcast he's on.
1: <laughs> You've released these? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, Alright, so our plan for this episode, uh, we're going to cover a couple headlines, uh, and then we're going to talk about a few trailers that released this week. Uh, so for headlines, we'll be covering all the controversy around Movie Pass and sort of what that's about. Josh has some inside knowledge, I think, for us, or at least can maybe explain it so we can understand it, because I was trying to look stuff up and... I feel like I was getting confused how all that stuff worked. Um, And we'll be talking about the director shakeup that continued to happen for episode nine that we talked about the last episode. So there's been an update to that story we'll talk about. And for trailers, we'll be talking about Tomb Raider and Marvel and Netflix The Punisher trailer that dropped this week. Um, And we only have Josh for a limited amount of time. And he was really wanting to lead the movie past discussion. So we're going to start there. So, and like I said, I think Josh... Since you work at the theater, you said you might have some inside knowledge for the movie pass and can sort of hopefully explain that to us.
0: Yeah, I mean a little bit. So we a couple weeks ago, uh, one of our managers forwarded us an email, and what was a little unclear as to exactly what the source or the author of the information was. I mean, it was very clearly like a cut and paste job, but um, like I said, it was just I don't I don't know if this was internally the the company we work for if it was their summary of it if this was their take on it um you know where they were getting it passed from but it was mostly a uh an overview as to sort of the mechanics for the consumer uh of how the service works uh how it interacts with us as employees and you know the operation of the business um and then a, a little bit of i mean i guess editorializing but uh, I mean it made a lot of sense um, it, it really sounded more like an industry um, summary of what this you know movie pass company's you know long long term game is um if you know anyone's not familiar with movie pass yet um it's i mean think of it like Hulu or Netflix for movie theaters so you have a monthly subscription fee that you pay uh it it started out I think somewhere in, like the mid range $35 a month and uh, it's been around since 2011 that I was a little surprised about I didn't think you know I thought it was much more recent maybe like a year at most Um, but it used to be like a $35 price point and that would enable you to see one movie per day in standard format no IMAX or you know 4D anything like that Uh, but regular standard format every day So for your $35 a month, you could effectively go to the movies every single day, see one movie per day for slightly, you know, more than a dollar per movie. Uh, Over the last couple of years, that price has continued to drop and drop and drop, and very recently, they slashed it from, I believe it was around the $15 price point down to $9.95. So if you wanted to take advantage of this, here's what you would do. You'd sign up with a service, just like, again, you would do with your Hulu or your Netflix, on their website, uh, of course, they have a mobile app you can utilize. You would go into their uh, infrastructure, and I think uh, I, I believe you you can't do it earlier than the day of the movie that you're going to. Could be wrong about that, but I believe you have to do it the day of. you go through their service, you say, "I want to see Movie X at theater Y." Uh, apparently, MoviePass takes great pains to keep tabs on what every individual theater that they are accepted at, what their ticket prices are. Because, uh, like at our theater, uh, a matinee show is $8. So, if you're going to go to a Saturday afternoon movie at 2 o'clock, uh, you find our theater in the website or on the app, and you find the list of movies for that day, and you say, I, I want to see this movie at 2 o'clock. It knows that our matinee price is eight dollars per ticket. So what it does is it loads eight dollars onto a uh, effectively a prepaid debit card that they issue you. Um, so they come in. I've seen them. They, I mean, they're very well branded. It's effectively a a movie pass branded Mastercard that now has an eight dollar balance to it. So you come in and pick your ticket. Uh, you you pay for it. You swipe your card used it as a chip, whatever, just like any other uh, debit or credit transaction. That way, the theater, right through that financial transaction, gets paid for their ticket, and you get your movie. And Now, you can do that every single day for the month, which, so that, that, that's just the basic overall mechanic. So, as the consumer, that's all you really have to do. That's all that's required of you. So that begs the very easy question, how in the world, even at an $8 price point, could a company that's going to only bring in $10 of revenue per customer per, customer per month ever ever be profitable, you know, m- much less even like break even. So this, this is really the part uh, where I, I think this is kind of our editorializing from from our communication began um, and it said initially the company had uh, a lot of startup money to help subsidize the initial cash flow so whoever the original partners were and whoever the investors are had a big reserve that they put into the company as a long-term investment so they knew you know month after month uh, even at the $35 Price point. I mean, a lot of like weekend theaters, what are your tickets now? Let dollars 11 dollars? Yeah, yeah. So if someone saw three movies a month, the customer's now broken even, and if they see one more movie, movie pass is now losing money. So it that is exponentially exacerbated by the ten dollar price point. Uh if if you see one nighttime movie at my theater, Movie Pass has already lost money just by one ticket a month that's all i have to do is utilize it once so how in the world how in the world could this work long term so this is how they summarize it for us uh number one they are banking on a lot of people not seeing more than one movie per month that will hopefully help them at least break even uh but that's like best case scenario The second main point is, and I guess this really, when you get down to segmenting markets, this is what happens. They said, they're hoping that a lot of people in the Midwest region, where the average movie ticket falls into the $7 range, will sign up. Again, hoping that they only see one movie, at most, one movie per month, if any. So, on each customer, they're only making a $3 profit margin on each of those customers. Um... Eventually, they want to be able to attach, uh, advertising to the process. Of course, you know, that's a lot of the end game, but, uh, th- this is the last piece and it's a little lengthy, but bear with me because this is really where the meat and potatoes of it comes from. Uh, it says, lastly, and the most important piece, their goal is to become a huge hybrid website encompassing options like Fandango, IMDb, and Rotten Tomatoes where if they can get to this point they can manipulate customer movie choices because the customer must visit MoviePass first. This requires the customer to have a look at or click on whatever MoviePass wants them to in order to pick their movie or location. Once this happens they can go to the movie studios and ask for money to promote their movie. One could then argue that if a large subset of moviegoers are funneled through the MoviePass site before they ever visit any theater, MoviePass will have a lot of influence. Enough influence that they could change their model and go to theaters and say partner with us or we drop your theater from the list of our available partners, effectively driving customers to other businesses. If movie theaters agree to a partnership, MoviePass would receive income from all sides of the movie theater business. Yes, there are a lot of ifs here, but if you can start to see that that is their business model, it does not look at as odd. So that's where it finishes out. And that's the part that after I read it the first time, I really saw, yeah, you know, the long game they're playing, the end game they're playing. Right. But, I mean, you can't help but think, that is a very hefty goal, and there's a lot, I mean, there's to say there's a lot is an understatement. There's a lot of frickin' hoops to achieve and to get through, to get anywhere near that kind of prominence, and, and as they say, that kind of influence over the industry. So, discuss. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: yeah, there's, I feel like a bunch of different directions I want to go at this moment, and I'm trying to think which one I want to go with first. Um, all right, so in my research, I was trying to, like Josh summed it up pretty good, how this program works. I was trying to look for bullet points and, and how this process works, and from what I understand, at least looking at some comments on the internet, if you want to believe most of those, it seems like whenever the price drop happened, that the service was flooded with new subscribers now the problem is that was like maybe last month i think when when they dropped their price something like that um and with all these new subscribers that come up there's people since the price drop that signed up for this pass that haven't gotten their movie pass yet there and then from what i understand part of the process is to go through like josh was saying it points you to their website you put in your zip code and it lists what movies theaters are available to be used for movie pass. And you start there and go from there. A lot of people are complaining that they sign up for movie pass. They pay their subscription. They put in their zip code and there are no theaters close to them that can support the movie pass. So then what do they do with this thing they just signed up for? And um, I think there was a couple people I think I'd seen. Actually, I think one of the articles I sent you, Josh, the author of, I think it was a slash film article. Okay. Signed up for the service went to see a movie and basically he had to front the bill. The pass didn't work or was planning on reimbursing him. That was like two weeks ago. He was trying to contact customer service to be reimbursed for the movie that the pass was supposed to cover, which it hasn't yet. And that was on top of him already getting billed for paying for the service. So he's paying for, he paid the subscription for the the month and it still hasn't covered his expenses to see the movie, which is a big problem for your, for your customers if you can't do what you promised you were going to do and if the customer service is so backed up with all these new subscribers and they can't fix the problems that they already have it it i don't know how they're going to keep getting customers or sustain that if they can't support this whole influx of people that they just got because they they made it appealing with this price cut which
0: yeah i, I don't know yeah, i think i think you hit the nail on the head on part of that which is i doubt they ex expected the flood to happen so quickly yeah Uh, i mean yeah because i
2: saw that getting reported everywhere it was like oh you want to see unlimited movies here's a 10 dollar a month plan to do that and it was posted on a bunch of sites on the internet so once that happened once they got all this publicity yeah everybody was all over that
0: yeah so I, i think they underestimated what the initial rush would be Um, one other piece that, I mean, we've had a few customers, maybe, I mean, that I've personally handled maybe four or five customers at our theater that has, have actually come in with the, the debit card to pay for it. Um, Mm -hmm. you, you have to be, you know, you have to have your, on your phone, you have to have your GPS turned on and you have to be within a certain distance from the theater that you want to pick at that moment. I think the reason is, and this part I can kind of understand, people might feel this is a pain, but, you know, bear with me. If I'm at home and it's noon and I'm thinking of seeing a movie at seven o'clock and I tell MoviePass, all right, I want to go see movie X at theater Y at seven o'clock, and they transfer from, you know, source, financial source A to my debit card the amount of money I would need to cover that ticket, and then in the next seven hours, you know, if I'm have if i 20 minutes away from my theater and hours before the showtime, then if I don't use it, then I have this arbitrary amount left on this debit card. And the, the, the financial administration of trying to, like, pull that money back if the... You know, card is not used in a certain amount of time would be a nightmare. Um, so there, there is some limiting factor where you have to be a certain distance from it, uh, from, from the theater. And then there's a little bit of sort of system refresh time. So we had some people like come into our lobby, log in, add their ticket, and then try to come right up to us. So like five seconds later... You know, literally, I mean, they make it seem that way on commercials, not for MoviePass, but for other things in life.
2: Right, <laughs> right. But
0: right. they, like, literally five seconds later, like, okay, I just did this thing on my phone. Now here's a piece of plastic. Give me financial credit. It doesn't always work that fast. Um, I mean, I think it took at most maybe, like, five minutes to refresh through everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if people don't uh, – the, the regular consumer does not have patience. They don't understand. <laughs> and, of course, these theaters – and I can kind of understand – um you know one of the biggest things we got uh, emphasized to us was if there's a problem with the card it has nothing to do with us and we are not being their punching bag and we're not being their uh uh you know tech support if we if we try to run that card and it doesn't work you hand it to them and say i'm sorry there's a problem with it you need to contact the company or check your you know something with your account there's nothing we're involved with and the attitude. Yeah, because they're treating
2: it like a Mastercard or, or a Visa or something. That's what you would do if someone's credit card doesn't work. Talk to your bank account or your credit card company. Get them to fix it.
0: Yeah, and and I can see potentially the average you know American moviegoer, citizen, customer. They don't have patience. You know, I'm not. This isn't necessarily saying the majority, but people don't have patience. They don't have understanding. They don't care why. It doesn't. All they know is you're stopping them from getting what they want in that moment. You are the person. Right. Um, so I could see a lot of theaters having some backlash potentially if customers start to treat their staff that way. So, yeah, I, I mean, on the one hand, I want to say I- I'm sorry, Ian. we've been talking all over this. Go. W- what are you thinking?
1: <laughs> well, like I know this blew up on Reddit when it happened. But the big post wasn't them dropping the price. It was someone making a website that made the MoviePass search algorithm actually work. So you could actually find all the theaters near you. (laughs) And that was one of the big issues, I think, is people would say, like, they would check on MoviePass.com and nothing near them would be covered. Then they would check this guy's site that just pulled, like, the, would scrape essentially their website API to, like, pull the information. And they'd find, like, five theaters nearby. (laughs) And that was a big issue, I think, big off. I don't, I get at one point not, being prepared for this big rush of people. But dropping that kind of price drop, like to that under $10 thing where you're with the Netflixes, you're gonna skyrocket. And that's the most important time for the business to capture all those people. And they've dropped the ball with this. Like, I've heard other people, like, not just, you mentioned the slash film guy, like, having to collect their movie tickets to get reimbursed at a future date that they don't know about. Right. They ran out of plastic debit cards to send out to people. They just don't have anymore. <laughs> but they're just backed up on that. And they really dropped the ball there. And think like that email you mentioned really nailed, I think what their business model has to be. Cause they're not, they were never going to make money off the ticket sales, like, you know, like converting even at $35. It was kind of a pipe dream because the people spending that much were going to try and get their value out of it. Yeah, you would almost hope point. for the planet fitness model where you just hope they give up and forget to cancel for like four <laughs> months.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I, the big thing when it was blown up on Reddit, everyone said like what they had to be going for was trying to get a cut of concessions. By giving people this very cheap way to go in, they're more likely to spend that $10, $15 at the concession stand. And that would eventually be their goal, like you said, maybe to get a cut of overall theater revenue. But I guess everyone pinpointed going after concessions, you're more likely to spend $15 on drinks, popcorn and stuff if you only got in for $4, $3. But that's the thing, like a lot of theaters around here already have a $4 price point on yeah. one day of the week. And then I, the one in Monroeville, I think it's $4 like on the weekend, like the first showing of the day. And you can do that on weekends, too.
2: I th- yeah, I think Monroeville has a theater that's $4 for 2D showings before 6 o'clock. Anything after 6 o'clock is 6 bucks
1: for 2D that's, shows. Wow. That's like two movies Like there. You can go, and you're still cheap for the movie pass. And I don't know how much that's working out for them, even. So I don't yeah. know like how much more value you could give someone for it to work.
2: Well, I do want to, I, I kind of want to spin this into the AMC thing just because sure. whenever I was reading about the MoviePass thing, AMC kept coming up because as soon as that was announced that people were jumping on this after the price cut, AMC stepped up and they didn't want to support this service and they were trying to figure out legally what they could do if they could just flat out refuse to let people use MoviePass and I think part of their uh, argument to the thing was... So what you guys were saying is that essentially they're they're predicting this service to lose money and not be able to support it. So people sign up to it. They start using their movie pass all the time. A couple months later, they can't pay the bills for that service anymore. And then everybody's out. You know, th- this, it just doesn't work anymore. Now, AMC tried to argue that, that doing that model would not get revenue to the theater and it would not get revenue to the movies. So then, therefore, the quality of both would drop. See, that but That
0: I would argue against. Because well, right.
2: The way you describe the service is that people are getting paid, like they're being reimbursed. If the if the customer itself is not paying for the ticket, they're still provided funds to pay for the ticket. That is then billing the correct people.
0: Yeah, I mean, for, right up front, there is never a point where the theater is not getting paid immediately, in the same fashion for for the admission. There's never a right. delay. There's never an accounts payable. It, it's it's always right up front and immediate. Their particular justification of, you know, we think this would be bad for consumers. If, if, if they think it could result in some kind of, you know, disillusionment with the theater, movie theater industry because of that, I I can understand. But, you know, as Ian started to touch on there, um, theaters do not make money from admissions. They have no, they have zero to no, uh, or I should say little to no, Profit margin based on their screening fees on ticket sales. All of their margins come from concessions. So if you could bring more people into the theater, as you said, if I I paid $10 a month and there's four great movies coming out every weekend in that month and I have time to go and all I did was pay effectively $250 per movie... And it's already out of my pocket. I don't have to worry about that cash flow anymore. So if I show up to the theater, I'm not as hesitant to throw out another 10 or $15 for concessions, whereas I might not normally do that if I have to pay $12 for my ticket. Right. And, and while, yeah, that was the point I was going to make, too. I mean, while some particular theaters might have bargain days or discount um, promotions, and, and some, some just run on you know, the hope of lower ticket sales, um, you know, there's some theaters around our area here, like you said Monroeville, um, the big, big big Phoenix out in North for Sales, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they have somehow figured out a business model to, you know I wouldn't be surprised if their tickets are actually a loss leader. Mm-hmm. That if they broke down the price per attendee or something, they're actually losing some amount of money on that ticket, but they hope that the, that the attractive price point of that is such that it'll bring more people in by volume who will also then be saving on that ticket and have a couple extra bucks to throw toward food. So in that case, I can't see it being a bad thing for AMC because it would get more people's butt in the door to be able to do that. And, and there's a lot of theaters, They like said, ours is an $8 matinee and a 11 or $12 nighttime adult ticket. And I, I mean, I don't, AMC might have like a discount, I think they have like discount Tuesdays or something. But every other time, their nighttime shows are 10 to $12 easy. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of people who prefer to go to those types of places. And if that's the case, then, yeah, Movie Pass is going to be extremely attractive for them. You know, Ian, as you said, the break-even between, like, two mm-hmm. movies at a $4 matinee, yeah, absolutely. But when one ticket's already going to cost you more than the price of your monthly subscription, why not do it?
1: I think that's what AMC is worried about is people getting used to $10 unlimited movies for a month that when MoviePass eventually financially collapses because they won't be able to, if they can't get these other (laughs) revenue sources and collapses, that too many people will be like, that's what I should be paying for movies. I'm not going to be paying you $10, $12 for your night matinee. I want to pay you $10 to come in whenever the fuck I want. And I think that's what's scaring AMC a little bit is a couple years from now, if MoviePass fails... People wanting to go back to like paying that Movie Pass price and not going to AMC now.
2: There was actually, I I think I was reading some of the articles too that AMC was working with Movie Pass or a company similar to it to have a service like this for their theaters, and then Movie Pass came out and said, "We're going to do this first. We're going to do it cheaper." And then suddenly AMC is like, "Nope, we don't like that idea. We're not going (laughs) to let you do that."
0: Well, because they if yeah, because if they were doing it internally, the um, perception that Ian just described, they can control that more. They're the right. largest movie theater company in the world with the most locations, most screens, most individual customers going there. If they can create the illusion that, you know, a 25 to $30 subscription fee for even three, four, five, six movies a month, let alone unlimited, if they can make that seem like the normal and the acceptable as opposed to 10 dollars a month for unlimited yeah then they lose all that control now i'm not saying they don't have a point in a lot of what they're thinking but there there was definitely something in their remarks that i thought um like half of it seemed a little disingenuous to me you mean through I, amc amc yeah. stuff yeah yeah
1: i'm sure that's how they're being just to try and that's how they want to spin the story where the more you know the truth's more Specifically, they don't want people getting used to that, but you gotta like, make it seem like it's hurting them or something to try and spin it better to make it not look like they're kind of being d-bags about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, their press release was real adamant that this is bad for customers, not necessarily the well, theater. Yeah, Cause That's you how don't they want, tried to spin it.
1: Cause no one cares about if AMC is making or losing money. Right. Yeah. Right. So you gotta spin it like, oh dude, you guys are the ones getting screwed here. Listen yeah. to how bad they're screwing you. Yeah.
2: Wh- which is, and those are, I mean, the articles that I read from AMC and the people reporting on that was pretty much right after the ticket, uh, the movie pass thing dropped its price. Yeah. I was trying to find something recent. Josh, I don't know if you did maybe when you were poking around. Did you see anything? Does AMC stop accepting the movie pass or is there a way around that? Or are they still letting it go?
0: Um, I wasn't able to find anything that definitely said that they, they've they stopped by any means. Um, I mean, one or two of the articles it might have been the slash one said that they've tried Locking, um, purchase
2: like an e pay feature, like paying online yeah, like, like beforehand.
0: It, yeah, so like going on AMC's website, putting in that Mastercard number from your Movie Pass card, and doing e tickets ahead of time. There was, but there was only like two major cities. I think it was like what Denver, Denver, and Boston, or something,
2: something like that. Yeah. That
0: that I think they, they were successful in doing that. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, said, I I think there are some valid. Points to what they were saying, and there's and there's a good consideration of here uh, of this. I mean, I, I actually appreciate that it has provided like a what I think is like a real genuine, uh, example of just I don't say like consume. It's it's made the the dynamic between supply and demand very stark between customer and provider. Between payee and you know company, um, so I think there's a lot of good sort of academic things that people can mine out of this. But I mean, I, I, given some of the cons of Movie Pass versus the pros, if I wasn't working at a movie theater, and, and well, let me say, and, and given the pros and cons, and if I knew everything we've discussed, and if I didn't work at a movie theater and got free admission as a perk i would probably jump on movie pass as soon as i could try to weather the potential issues they're trying to iron out right now and get my consumer fill as much as humanly possible over the next six months year year and a half two years in the event that they do collapse because they're not able to sustain what they're doing because they weren't able to achieve their larger goals but in the long run, I've saved. I mean, depending on how frequent of a moviegoer you are, you literally could save hundreds of dollars over like a yeah. year, a year or two in just ticket fees.
2: Yeah, the only thing I'm going back to, I think what you, what your email is saying with the the whole long con, basically that they're trying to start up. Which, if they're already directing people through their website to have to do a lot of this stuff, or through their app, like I could definitely see them going that direction with forcing advertisements on people um sort of front-loading specific theaters or movies like you were talking about because we were you would mention about advertising and how they're going to try to get ads and stuff and then i started thinking like well where the hell are they going to put ads on a like a mastercard or the app i guess the app could have ads but yeah uh the more you kept talking about them funneling through the website like that's that would be a perfect place to get all the ads if their website gets enough hits and if people are that easily swayed where they see a bunch of ads for a movie and you're like oh you know what that's starting to look good let's let's, let's go see that
0: yeah it, it seems like they want to i don't i don't believe they have pipe dreams of like acquiring rotten tomatoes or imdb or anything but they want to create like almost a central hub where it is attractive enough for rotten tomatoes and imdb to want a presence there right and if they can do that then everybody's going to be going there first you're not ever going to go to AMC's website you're the, yeah. you're not you're not going to interact with that theater till you step inside it with your prepaid card for your ticket so that's where they're trying to leverage the studios to have to work with them and and start up you know real financial partnerships because as they said if they get that kind of foothold in how people approach the movie going in uh experience then they went they want to give theaters the impression that it's not exclusivity necessarily but you don't want to be left out of this because you could only suffer by not being included in our pipeline
2: right well more to ian's point though too they got to get their website working first this is true so we'll see how long that takes
1: I think that's the big thing. Is like, for especially people like in New York and LA, where tickets are closer to the twenty dollar range, this is even a better deal for someone like them compared to Austin, Pennsylvania, where I think prices are definitely cheaper for movie theaters. Right. So you got those big cities where I think it could really blow up. And I think trying to like the the whole, I guess, if you're going to switch the more like from revenue wise, instead of trying to get a cut of the concessions and then go for get kickbacks for movie theaters to like a premium spacing on the app so you're the first movie listed because people are more likely to go there you're the first theater listed even though you're not the closest one for that person that's a way to go for it but the whole bring in imdb and rotten tomatoes is just so much of a what every startup tries to do now and try and be a social media like hub mm. it's everyone wants to attempt that and everyone tries to do it but it's exceedingly rare to pull anything off close to caring most people see it almost as annoyance because they don't want to start another social media thing i'm not saying That's they're true. trying to like make a new twitter facebook thing but bring all these other things into a centralized hub is essentially like a lot of people get tired of that real quick when you're like I, I don't give a shit about the rotten tomatoes rating for the movie i'm trying to see right now if i wanted to look that up i'd look it up i'm here to pick the move. i'm only on movie pass because i'm going to the movie in two hours right and i'm just getting my card ready so i don't have to like dick around in the lobby all the weird people like look at me weird because like why is he dicking around with his phone (laughs) is he gonna turn it off later I don't know no guys I just need the money you know I I I think going after concessions is the easiest way for them to go through it because I I think by now if they were able to get studios to like give them money to give their movie prize location on the app they would they could do it by now I would think they have a large enough user base that they could get someone to do it. So the fact that they haven't, I think, says a lot about where they are as a company right now.
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, they're definitely struggling. Like, if they can't get the, the MasterCard plastic cards to people, they can't get their website working. I don't know how well the app works, because I haven't tried it or anything like that. Do you have to be a subscriber to use the app, I guess? You can't uh, just download it and try poking around and see what it does?
0: I mean probably it's you know probably the first thing you do once you download and open it is sign in.
1: Right, mm-hmm. okay. Or you enter your credit card information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: cuz I'm I I think getting that under them like getting that stuff working correctly for their customer base I think is will go a long way for them. If it takes them like another 6 months to get all that shit working, I can see a lot of people bailing from the service just because it's not consumer friendly.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean now now that they really were thrust into a lot of people's consciousness that didn't know they existed for the last six years, um, right. you know, me partially being one of them, um, they have, I would guess they have a very short time to get their act together. You know, mm-hmm. if they need an extra influx of cash or whatever they need to do to hire more tech experts or customer service reps, um, they sort of, need to you know go into the lightning round and fix those big things quickly because yeah i think the, the the clock's ticking in that short term newer customers are going to start to abandon it and say well we tried it, it didn't really work out you know the, the, the services wasn't upheld very well and the more that persists the reputation is going to spread and mm-hmm. more people are going right. to be less inclined to even gamble on it
1: yeah i think the one big thing they have left still is if they hopefully weather this storm and then they can use this huge influx of people as a way to gauge further how to, like, develop, they can always do these one-month, slash the price again for a month, cut it to, like, $5 just to get the new stories going again when they need to, and then do it for, like, big movies like a Star Wars or something, where you're going to basically be the cheapest ticket for Star Wars. And that's just a new way to keep, like, ev- do it once or twice a year just for a month. And that's a new way to keep getting people to talk about it and try it out again. I think that might be something they look to once they get, once they're able to sustain, sustain the level they brought in from this giant explosion where it blew up everywhere.
2: You know, I just want to point out, I think we found Ian's niche. Yeah. These, these economic questions, we've got them going off on these.
0: There, there is there is a studio missing a strategist advisor, sir. <laughs>
2: Maybe that's what you should be applying for, Ian. Look for I those jobs. Look like what I went to college for. <laughs> so it is in your wheelhouse. We're not making this shit up.
0: No. <laughs> um,
2: all right. I don't know how much time you got left, Josh. I don't know if you got to get going, if we should cut you loose.
0: Yeah, if that uh, seems to be the uh, sort of organic end of that conversation, I do need to head out, uh, but I will look forward to, I listen to the rest of the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so Monday morning, I will definitely be uh, l- re-listening to this to make sure I didn't say anything incorrect, uh, and so I can correct myself or the rest of us. I do page, want to but... re-listen to
2: it myself just to see if your voice comes out the way we think it's coming out right now. I <laughs> uh, like that but...
1: you say that and people might have no fucking clue what you're talking about. They're like, "Right, I don't it, know. What's if... weirds going on here, sound wise?" <laughs>
0: Fuck, if I listen to you back
2: and it sounds normal. I'll just cut this part out. <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs>
0: But uh, yeah, otherwise, Literally. I'll be looking, looking forward to the rest of the discussion and seeing what you guys covered.
2: Yeah, I know Josh too, is the I only because he's the only one that like live tweets his impressions as he's going through.
0: <laughs> Even though I live tweet on Facebook.
2: That's true. Live, live Facebook chatting, I guess. See, like
0: to, to, to nobody because it's not a dialogue. I'm just posting like comment after <laughs> comment on the episode posting.
1: Do you reply to yourself when you do it? So it looks like you're talking to yourself. Like you even tag yourself in it. Like, good point, Josh.
0: I've never, I've in the history of me Facebook, I've never liked my own post. That's good. That's good. Or like my <laughs> own that. comment to something. I, that's, Keep that trend. Yeah. I've I think never... it's
1: weird that they let you, and that it's really sad when you like hover over with someone's status with one like, and you see it was fucking them, them. <laughs> and you like hope it was an accident, but you know it wasn't. <laughs>
2: Alright, all right. so we'll, we'll sign you off.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks, everybody, and take care. Until next time.
2: All right. Bye-bye! Alright, so we've said goodbye to Josh. Just Ian and I left. We're going to cover the other topic we got for the headline. Star Wars topics, and then we're going to get into some trailers. So, for the Star Wars stuff, this is jumping off our discussion last episode about uh, Colin Trevorrow leaving Episode Nine. Uh, We sort of try to predict when we might hear an announcement of when another director could be announced. I think we even, most of us, I think we're thinking like a couple months or a month later. Wrong! Yeah, we're all wrong. It happened within a week.
1: (laughs) It's like, why even like have a gap? Like why not just announce it? Especially when it's out of all the people it could have been, it's JJ. Like You could have just announced it as soon as you got rid of Colin.
2: I mean honestly I think they 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 had to have had JJ waiting in the wings like ready to go when they yeah. announced Trevor O was gone.
1: No uh, now it makes me almost wonder if this was all, not always the plan to fire Trevor O, but to always have JJ ready like for the past like 2 years or something, you know. I
2: mean it could have been he didn't have anything lined up which was a little bit odd coming off of Force Awakens he didn't well, direct assume, anything for 2 years.
1: Well I assume he still has some type of like he for the episode 9 he would have been a producer or something.
2: I don't even was he well I guess episode eight isn't out yet but I don't even know if he's listed as a producer for eight.
1: I uh, yes I, I assumed he would have some involvement. They weren't just bringing him in to direct, you know. He would have some this some influence on the overall direction Star Wars was taking for the next Disney five right. years.
2: Yeah, you would hope that when he met for Force Awakens with the story group that they possibly even hashed out just like an overall arching plan, sort of like maybe Marvel Studios does with their MCU movies. They sort of hash out where they sort of want it to go, but whenever they finally get down to the movie and start making it, there's still some wiggle room where people can make stuff up and and change and mold things I guess the way they want to. Uh, So yeah, you would hope he has an idea for how this trilogy could end. That's a big thing.
1: Well, that's the other thing then, that how involved he will be, because I guess now we're since it's J.J., there's going to be a bunch of rewrites, or a big rewrite. Well, that's the other thing. How is involved?
2: The, the press release mentions he is coming back to direct. It also mentions he is coming back to co-write with Chris Terrio. And Chris Terrio is a frequent Ben Affleck collaborator. So he helped write Argo. He's credited, credited with BVS and Justice League.
1: What about Phantoms?
2: Uh, I don't think that was on his
1: IMDB when I looked. Affleck was the bomb in Phantom yo. <laughs> um,
2: so along with the change there, yeah, keep waving your arms. Like
1: <laughs> I just wanted to get that reference in.
2: <laughs> um, along with the change in director, we also get a change in release date. So episode nine will now be changed to a Christmas release date. It is coming oh! out December 20th, 2019. Who saw which, that coming? Yeah, like we actually. I think that's one thing we actually did predict. What yeah. was that they were going to move it and probably going to end up around Christmas, just because that ma- makes the more logical yeah, it, sense.
1: It made less sense to have it in May, honestly.
2: Yeah, but we're still getting Han Solo in May, even though that had director shakeup too. Yeah. So
1: yeah, we're all real excited about the Han Solo movie. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, to your point, I think at this point, it probably, especially with the del- with the delay, the six month delay that they're going to do, I imagine they are rewriting everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to use Trevor's script at all. I, th-
1: well, I, I, I assume like there's some about, major, that- yeah. I, I assume there's major key plot points that are unchanging because they're solidified. How we get there, how they unfold, but I assume there's at least the climax isn't going to change. Like yeah. I assume it's the same hit we're going to get at the sixty-minute mark, regardless of who wrote it. Because I, I, <laughs> I like to think that this is. That these people are real professionals and not like professional <laughs> like how I am at work. And that there's an actual plan involved and in You just stuff. make it up as you go. Yeah, I don't I don't know what I do day to day. Show up. Show up and just I black out for stuff. eight
2: hours and then I wake up and I'm driving home.
1: Yeah, luckily I only yeah. It's fucking shit, dude. <laughs> so you you would think there's major story beats are gonna stay the same. It's the process and how we get there. Dialogue which who knows how Trevor's Dialogue was going to play. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I want to know. I, I can't imagine. The, the changes I think will be drastic. But we're still going to get the same like three beats we would get regardless of who wrote it.
2: Because I see yeah. a, lot, a lot of the stuff online. I think people were poking at JJ. Like, like, almost like maybe upset or mad that he's coming back. And they weren't happy with the choice. I think partly because of Force Awakens. And how Force Awakens was basically like A New Hope rehashed that I think people just assume he's going to do Return of the Jedi rehashed, which I don't think that either, but they I think I seen a lot of people saying that JJ's good at starting franchises or universes, but he's not good at wrapping them up. But to that point, I don't think he's ever tried to wrap up a trilogy or finish something that he started. I think he sets something up for people, someone else takes over before it ever gets to the ending, and he's not around for when it finishes, so I don't think that's a valid criticism either.
1: But why isn't he around? Isn't that their point? That there's a reason he's not around.
2: I honestly just think he, he he does so many different things that he just doesn't stick to something long enough to finish it. He like how many TV shows has he helped create or produced? He's he's always on to the next TV show before the first one wraps up, which I just think there's not enough time for him to juggle so many things
1: at once. Which I think lends to the point, like maybe he's not a closer. Then he's not that's that's not where he's ever he's never not just he's never done it, but maybe he doesn't like that process he prefers he's got all these ideas flowing where it's more about creating new things that he can't finish something up which i think can actually help with episode 9 because not a single goddamn person on this planet that graduated high school is going to tell you for a minute that episode 10 is not going to (laughs) happen so he's gonna have to set up episode 10 there's no way episode 9 ends and they haven't set up what 10 is going to be I so can, I, th- I he that. gives him room to create something new, which I think could work if it's... He's not necessarily ending a trilogy as building a future.
2: Uh, true, I can see that. But I still think this trilogy has to have a, some sort of definitive... Not definitive, but mostly wrapped up. Like, 90-95% well, wrapped up. Well, yeah,
1: the First Order gets defeated. That, yeah, that's that's it. Well, I
2: mean, like, like... Some ends to some character arcs and stuff like that. Like
1: well, Luke's probably gonna die. There's no way they're bringing Hamill back for ten, eleven, and twelve.
2: Yeah, I I agree. He would either be written off or killed. I think in episode nine. I think and I think that's a valid prediction.
1: Yeah, I, he's I I don't I think he he has to make it through eight almost just due to all of the other original cast deaths at this point. Right. Yeah. You know, I I, I think they would they're gonna I don't I don't count Chewie because <laughs> they could CGI that shit. You know, you would never fucking know.
2: You don't even have to CGI him. You can just get anybody that's tall and
1: put him in the suit, which yeah, is what they, they did. They're gonna CGI him. <laughs> like you know, I I think even R two and C three PO necessarily might no longer be featured players. They're clearly trying to phase BB eight in. Yeah. So I I, yeah. I I think in the future we're gonna get. That's how they're gonna wrap it up. And the original trilogy's People finish their character stories. Finish the first order while building up Ray and Finn to have new adventures.
2: Alright. Yeah, I could see that.
1: I, I think, I mean, you're you, right. You know there's going to be an episode 10 within four years of 9, if not sooner.
2: Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question is if, we're, if we're assuming 10 is going to happen, how long before you think they do it? After 9?
1: I don't think they're going to go the Marvel model where we have to do it constantly. Mm. I. I I'm thinking they're going to give it some breathing room. Okay. Just Because not just not that it's an important franchise, but it's a very popular franchise that have already been burned on a set of trilogy set already. (laughs) So I think they're going to give it some room to breathe. They'll probably still do the one-offs. I wouldn't be surprised for a couple years, but I think instead of two years later have another one, they wait an extra two to give it just some time to distance itself that way, people won't be upset when there's no original trilogy. People either in ten,
2: right? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I'd say four or five years. I think between nine and ten. I think that's a that's a good break because mm-hmm. you don't you don't want to run the risk. And if they, of course, if they keep doing the standalone episodes or standalone movies in between nine and ten, you still run the risk of possibly oversaturation and burning people mm-hmm. out from movies. So I wouldn't be surprised if they take a, just a couple years off from everything.
1: Because that's, I think, one of the appeals of Star Wars has been, like, originally, you had three movies for close to 20 years. That's yeah. all you had. I mean, you had the books and stuff, but not that many people got into the books. Right. It was the core Star Wars fan, I think, is still mostly just the movie, movie going audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then you got the original trilogy, and then, you know, roughly 20 years later, we have another set. There's no way they're gonna wait, like, a 10 to 20 year period to do 10, yeah. but I think a four, five-year periods reasonable and I, I that's the big issue like you said with the the one-offs or the the, the they call them, do they actually have a title for them is it star wars stories or do they I, have well, I guess like we'll see official...
2: what han solo's called if they call it a star wars story rogue one was called a star wars story
1: yeah i didn't know if that was an official designation or
2: they keep changing it they were going to be anthology films which i liked better yeah. And then they were standalone something and now they're a Star Wars story. So I don't know what's sticking. They keep changing it.
1: Because the problem with that is I think one of the big things is maybe, maybe, I don't know if it hurt the prequels because I think people really like it, but the Jedi being almost rare is kind of a thing I think people like because you're not constantly getting them and maybe the prequels that hurt it a bit. It's constant Jedi. I think you can work it, but I, it, that's where I think the problem can come in. Like, what do you do with these anthology, Star Wars stories, movies from here? Do you keep going after established characters like Han Solo? Established stories like Rogue One. We all kind of knew what happened in a sense, you know? Yeah. So do you branch out and do like old Republic stuff? Do you do just CD please, underground like please, that Star please. Wars TV, like that Star Wars TV show where it's like, some underground cop on Coruscant, like going into like drug dealing dens where they sell death sticks to kids. <laughs> you know, there's a lot you can do with it, and I think if you spend it all focusing on original trilogy stuff, that's what's going to burn people out. But well, if you I go, wouldn't be. No, sorry, continue. Finish, you, finish say, your thoughts. If you go Old Republic, CD Underground, stay away from Jedi. Kind of. If you spread it around and make it, it's Star Wars universe, but it's not a classic Jedi film. I right. think that helps prevent people from getting burned out on it, and I think that's where Marvel's headed towards. Where that's, I think, the big thing they do with the Captain America movies was make them almost genre films uh, to right. try and yeah, yeah. prevent some of that burnout.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, there, there's, I think they, they're focusing on original trilogy era in in everything, like expanded universe, all all these standalone movies. Everything is focused on original trilogy era stuff. So there is. Yet to, be untold, yet to be told a 30-year gap between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens of tons of stories that we have no idea what's going on in that time period. I don't expect them to do anything much in there. Like, they've done maybe like a year after Return of the Jedi and slightly before Force Awakens, but there's still a good chunk of time where yeah. we have no idea what's happened. I think after the sequel trilogy wraps up and episode nine finishes and we get some resolution to certain questions that were posed for that trilogy, then they can go back and fill in those gaps either with other novels or uh, if they do standalone movies, they could start cherry picking stuff from that time period, which I think would help if they're looking to take a break from episode movies between nine and 10, like that five year gap we were talking about. I think that's where you could get standalone movies that focus on the era in between return of the Jedi and force awakens.
1: But the problem with that is, is, um, <clears throat> Assuming we're gonna basically, I, I don't think Harrison Ford ever does another Star Wars movie. Mm-mm. Ever. So, you, you can't have, um, Leia. And you don't yeah, have I'm Han Solo talking... for, but no, but you can't have them in those gap years. They, you know, they had stories occur during this 30 years. You know what I mean? So those two characters are gone. You could probably get Mark Hamill for what, like another five, six years? Before he can't pull off that Arrow Luke in a movie. You know what I mean? Like you're you're running out of characters to fill up known characters for this thirty year gap. Right. Which I if that's you know, like are we saying like they're just gonna show us like random people from that? Like Well,
2: yeah, I think I think there's a way to do it. And I, I think it's stuff they should probably standalone movies they should do in any era, whether it's a prequel, original trilogy, or the or in this gap in between Return of the Jedi Force Awakens. But I think those types of stories, like the backstory between Han and Leia and anything from Luke from that period, all that stuff will happen in novels. I'm not expecting movies for that. Um, that time period, though, I could see introducing new characters and sort of have them be in the peripheral of like events that happen. So like, I'd love to see something in the original trilogy where... And they do novels like this. Like, There's a couple novels that, that do the same type of thing where you're following a new character that happens to be caught up in the events of the original trilogy. So you're seeing it from their perspective. I think there's a fun way to do that. Instead of being like in the main, like the main focus of the action, they're just on the peripheral and and have their own sort of adventure with all that stuff. I think that's a cool way to do it. And it would still tie into stuff people are familiar with. So it's not completely brand new. And you have a, you know, if they're afraid people aren't going to I don't know, be drawn into a, a, an original story or something like that. I think there's a way to do that. So. Um, so, I don't know, I'm just kind of spitballing.
1: Do you know about the Gundam franchise at all?
2: Uh, vaguely.
1: So, it's a space opera mecha, right? Okay. So, just when you were talking about this, I realized, like, what I want out of a Star Wars standalone film. So, like, not all of them, but there's a couple of Gundam series where they're heavily focused on, like, the politics of it, and the mechs are almost like a background for it, right? It's more about the Geo's political climate of space colonies and shit. (laughs) Okay. I would like a, a, you know, like a post-Return of the Jedi, like that 5-10 year gap, like space opera, like political thing about like the fall of the Empire, just like the players in the Empire trying to consolidate power, becoming, I'm assuming, like warlords and stuff, Mm -hmm. With, with like a Leia, you know, and Luke trying to like build up a new Republic to free these worlds, and it's more... Less about the space battles and the Jedi, but the political squabbles happening between all these different federations and planets as the Empire collapses. I think that could be really cool. And it's a, it'd be a huge fucking risk, because not a lot of people want to see that one. <laughs> Two, it's hard to make, like, a good movie like that, where it's mostly dialogue, you know? Yeah. Very few directors can pull that off. And I think that'd be, like, a real cool thing to explore, is to see, like, a, like a fall of Rome in Star Wars.
2: I would uh, recommend, because now that we're talking about that specific type of storyline, it 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 brings up one of the books that I actually read that is part of this canon. There's a Leia book called Bloodline. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has to do with her being part of the New Republic. The New Republic is struggling, and you see the behind-the-scenes machinations that are starting to form the First Order. Mm-hmm. So you don't get the fall yeah. of the empire; it's still the New Republic trying to gr- like get a foothold in the galaxy. But you see where the First Order starts to get its footing and starts to re- you know tear apart the New Republic. So that type of political storyline was kind of fun in there. Yeah. So if that's something you're looking for, I would I would recommend the book
1: because I think on um, Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy had a little bit of that, where people yeah. were attacking yeah. like Leia and stuff, like inside the Republic, her own fellow Republic allies trying to consolidate power to take over. As I forget what the leader of the republic's called now, but uh, take over that role, mm. the chancellor. That's <laughs> yeah, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Not supreme chancellor, just regular chancellor. Where you saw that from? I think it was the Bothan, like some Bothan guy was trying to take over lead- as the leader of the republic from Leia, while they were still in the middle of fighting like a fucking um throng,
0: the right. greatest threat to the galaxy. <laughs>
1: You know, so I, I, that would definitely be cool to check out since I brought up um, Timothy's on them. Did you read the Phantasm book at all? No. Someone said that the Phantasm book was better than the Thrawn trilogy. Phasma? Yeah. Or, okay. I don't care what her. She was on <laughs> screen for 20 seconds, and 10 of those was dying in a fucking trash compactor.
2: She has a four issue comic book that explains how she gets out of the trash compactor. So that is, the first two issues are out now if, you were, if you're curious how well, that that's... plays out.
1: The thing, like, I, I kind of bought up into the hype of Phantasm... What's it? Say it again.
2: <laughs> Phasma.
1: Phasma. It's... It basically is what Boba Fett was, but, like, they really pushed, like, oh, look how cool and mysterious this person is. And yeah. then they did nothing with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard that book was supposed to be better than the Thrawn trilogy. I was just like, how? It, it's... At this point, it seems like such a garbage character.
2: Yeah. When
1: you're talking about, like... Star Wars novels aren't like high literature or something, <laughs> but Zod's a really good Star Wars writer.
2: Yeah, if you're gonna pick someone to be like, this is better than that person, you better be damn sure that book yeah. is better than that person. Because like,
1: I'm worried. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna read like ten pages of Phasma and I'll be like, what the fuck were you smoking <laughs> when you said that shit? Well, I mean, they have
2: to redeem her somehow. They're trying to do so in the comic. They're trying to do so with the novel. She's gonna appear in Episode Eight. So they have to make her formidable in some way because I, I she like, definitely gets screen time
1: in Force Awakens. I like that escaping from a trash compactor takes four issues. Luke knocked it out I, in like 20 seconds. Because
2: <laughs> like, I, I read a little bit of the summary of issue two. I haven't actually picked up the comics to read them, but I'm pretty sure the escape from the trash compactor is the first issue. Second issue is because apparently the summary for the second issue was like she's tracking down some sort of Imperial person who knows she is the one that basically told Finn how to, or no, she deactivated the shield around Starkiller, so the uh, Republic or the Resistance could blow up Starkiller base. So all the fault and blame falls on her. And this one Imperial or First Order guy knows that, so she has to take him out before he reports to other people that it was basically her fault that they failed at Starkiller base.
1: Yeah, that, that she's such a complex character.
2: I didn't say it was complex. I'm just saying there. No, I just like to do.
1: Like, why does she even care? Too, I would like I liked that the first the order is about to suffer major defeat and her shits. Like, I gotta go cover my ass. <laughs> like, that's that's all she. Boba Fett didn't care. He he went up against <laughs> Darth Vader. He talked shit to him to his face. You know.
2: Yeah, that's true. Boba Fett is a is a unique individual. And Which I'm wasn't really canon. hoping he shows up somewhere in the sequel trilogy
1: because I think we we need that. I don't.
2: He's basically a, he's like a super soldier clone. He can like, he, he can right live probably now, a lot longer.
1: But right now in canon, he's dead. Do we know that? Well, we we they haven't they haven't written anything where he's escaped in the new canon. So it's, so we just assume we he's still in the as- Starlight like Pit to. somewhere.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean, um, I think it'd be weird for him to show up at this point when Phasma's clearly supposed to be new Boba Fett. Because all <laughs> that would happen is everyone would be be. like, oh shit, Boba Fett's here! <laughs> no one give a shit about Phasma for the rest of the trilogy.
2: We'll have to see, if, if Phasma does not get redeemed in episode 8, Boba Fett shows up in episode 9. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just so he gets that, like, I'm going out like a badass motherfucker before, before this trilogy <laughs> ties
1: off. And then he falls into something else. Oh,
2: that would be such a bitch move.
1: <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> That'd be classic Jar Jar.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah, I think we got way off topic with just... I mean, we we're star-, star Wars topics, but JJ directing and stuff, we got way off topic. So yeah, I don't even know how to bring it back down. It's
1: boring, uninspiring, and who cares? <laughs> like, I, I called it last few, two weeks ago when I said that. I'd rather talk about some more cooler stuff happening in Star Wars <laughs> than they got Abrams again. He's not going to do anything unique. He's not going to do anything where you're like, only JJ could have done that. You know, there's never going to be a point where you're like, wow, the touch JJ had on this scene. You know,
2: so you don't your think fifth that viewing Awakens? of this
1: movie isn't going to change because JJ Abrams directed it. You do Someone think... else could have.
2: You don't think JJ put his touch on Force Awakens? You you just. Kind of think that could have been anyone. Is that what you're sort of saying?
1: Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean that. Basically, I think you said. Yeah, I I said it back when I came out. It followed A New Hope and hit those same beats. Anyone like there was no piece where it's like, that's a goddamn director. Like, oh, that's a shot. You know, like there was nothing in there that only he could do.
2: Maybe not, but there is definitely shots in there that I think George Lucas would have never done, which to me felt like enough of a departure for a new but direction for a Star Wars movie. George, how many? He only directed what, like two, uh, four. Oh, did he do the whole prequel? Possibly five, if you count Return of the Jedi, because apparently he took over directing from the actual director. He on just Return said that. He just said that.
1: So I, I guess if we count the prequels, and as we all know, those are masterful directed movies. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah, I guess he's four for four. <laughs> But I, I, I like, yeah, it's not something George would have done, but I think it's something a lot of people could have done or would have done, you know? It's nothing where I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, J.J., cool shit, you know? Well,
2: I feel like this, like, episode nine now for J.J. is the one where he can actually do something different, and it, this is where he proves himself. Like, he, he did what he needed to do with Force Awakens. He got everybody excited again about Star Wars. He washed the taste of the prequels out everybody's mouth and returned us to what we know is safe and what feels like classic star wars whether or not you want to point out that it was a rehash of a new hope that's fine i can accept that argument but it was different enough and gave us a whole new cast of characters that are fantastic in my opinion that it gave us a good starting point for what was to come next now episode 8 was probably going to be very different at least from anything that you read about or you hear rumors of the movie ryan johnson is taking this franchise this story in a unique direction which i'm really excited to see where it goes and after ryan johnson sort of sets it up for jj now i feel like jj has the chance to do something different surprise us all and i don't i'm I'm really hoping he delivers here because i don't want him to i I guess make something safe where everyone's like yeah see we told you nothing different it's just same jj stuff i'd like him to try to do something different and i don't know what different is because the episodes probably still have to have that stone tone and style that Star Wars does. Because that's, you know, we've talked before how the standalones keep losing directors because people are trying to take it too, too unique and too different. And they are always, it seems like Lucasfilm and the story group are trying to bring everyone back to a Star Wars type tone. And you're not going to be able to go too different for an episode movie. Those are the ones that are exactly have to be a Star Wars tone, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still hoping JJ can come back and show us something unique and different that, he hasn't done before and show us that he can close this out correctly and satisfyingly I guess
1: I just I I don't see it'll be satisfying sure but it won't be anything unique won't be like wow (laughs) you'll be like yeah that's yeah that was solid
2: it's what we expected
1: yeah it's great to see it's solid one but at that point it'll be like well, we already had two solid ones. I'm not like, like, worried that it's gonna suck like the prequels. That That's gonna be, I think, the difference when people walk out of nine compared to seven.
2: Right. Were you, are you expecting eight to be just kind of more of the same? Or are you expecting I something different from eight?
1: I paid nothing at all attention to eight. I'm just, I'm, you no, know, I'm not gonna be able to make it, like, avoid the trailers. Not just yeah. from being on here, but because if I see a single movie after they drop the first one, I'm gonna see the trailer. <laughs> so I, yeah, i'm gonna so you, wait wa- you I don't watch
2: the f- I can't remember did you? were you with us when we talked about the first trailer or no on the on the show
1: uh I guess, but I don't think there was anything in that that really okay. set up the tone of the movie, right? I, we were really grasping at straw's, yeah <laughs> I mean, you know, like the way Luke said, ah, oh, there I think that really <laughs> directed that we're getting rid of all of the jedi <laughs> you know there there's not a lot in that first trailer.
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm as cuz I've I've seen Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson both say that if you have a choice just avoid the marketing from here on out. So part of me wants to ignore the next trailer whenever it drops, but at the same time I'm like I'm so itching for just something from mm-hmm. this movie just to hold me over that the that next trailer still might grab me.
1: So I don't know. That and you you probably have been itching to go for a 4-hour podcast after taking a couple weeks off.
2: Yeah, we got to fill that time. <laughs> That I'm paying for and not using.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have to get everyone over to the house. We've got to do an in-person five hour emergency <laughs> pod Star Wars Go.
2: <laughs> We're gonna I'm gonna put the podcast or the trailer up on the TV. We're gonna bring the microphone out there. We're all gonna gather around the television. I'll stop and pause so we can all Wait, look at the oh, same we'll screenshots. We'll
1: even record it, li- live stream it to YouTube at the <laughs> <same> time.
2: <laughs> Multimedia extravaganza. That's
1: what that'll be. It'll be exclusively on Movie Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get that plug. <laughs> <laughs> we just did a 45 minute movie pass plug and I'm still throwing it in <laughs> up um,
2: trying to think if there's anything else I, oh one thing I don't know if we really addressed it the last episode when we talked about the Trevor O. draft but I think we might have touched on it but I don't know how, de- how deep we got into it do you think that Carrie Fisher's passing really affected Trevor O.'s script do you think that's when it all went downhill because he had said that she was supposed to be a major factor in 9 and that was after he had a draft done, and then she passed away. And it was like, okay, we got to figure out what we're gonna do, how we're gonna write her out. And I don't know if they just got hung up on what they wanted to do with Leia that they couldn't figure out a way around that, and so a fresh set of eyes and director if, was
1: needed. Or if that's true. I feel really bad for him. Like, like that, like something beyond out of his control. Not like I'm blaming Carrie Fisher or something for dying. You know, right. rest her soul. But. For something like that to like throw you off your game where you like, I can't write a new script because of something like that, you lose a character. I think would affect anyone. I believe it was most present in season four of Entourage where we (laughs) saw the same thing happen to Donnie and the boys. Sure. Yep. Donnie's (laughs) not even a character in Entourage. It's Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah. I've never seen it. Some guy talked to (laughs) me at work about Entourage for two minutes, and I learned so much about fucking Entourage. (laughs) I guess the guy's name is Vincent, and he's an actor. Uh, On Entourage, you mean? I I, That's what I had to ask. I was like, is that the character's name or the actor's name? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know. You got me. I don't know either, so. It's just, for something like that to happen to someone, and completely, if that really just ruined his script, and then he just never could, write something he never had that inspiration strike again to write something new where he was too fixated on what he wanted to do. Sucks, but at the same time I can't imagine that being the case. I just I really think there's these three story beats we're gonna get in nine that are unchanging regardless of who writes it. Okay. So that's that's yeah, why no, I,
2: I, I like the stuff that I've read, and I don't I don't think we'll ever know exactly what happened to to force Trevor out. Uh but I think the stuff that I read was basically like saying Trevor was just hard to deal with and sort of unmoving in what he wanted done. Now, whether or not that means like his script that focused on Leia and they were finding a way around that, but he didn't want to budge too much on what he had planned to accommodate that. And that was an issue. Or if it, he just, again, sort of like he had the issue, he had the thought of Leia being in there and just couldn't think of anything better. If that was the, like, yeah, it's all speculation at this point. I'm just kind of spitballing and, seeing what we think could have happened.
1: It's, yeah, it's one of those things we'll never know. And it's, it's tough, I guess, to say that, because, like, like I said, I'm really like. I going to keep saying it. I think this script has three major beats that it's going <laughs> to hit, so I can't imagine that this rewrite is that drastic enough to get him fired over it, you know? Yeah. That they couldn't work around that. I think it's something deeper where he was a to- more of a tone thing. He was going okay. for a different tone than what they wanted. And J.J. Okay. will just do whatever they ask him to do. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, if if they want someone that they can work with in their... If Lucasfilm wants someone they can work with in their system, J.J. has tried and proven that he can do that. Mm-hmm. So why not bring someone back that they worked with well enough to finish a movie? Because at this point... They just need someone that's going to finish movies because that seems to be their problem is they can't hire someone to finish a movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess, at this point. I'm For the record, I am excited J.J. is a part of this. I'm glad that he is... I mean, Ryan Johnson would have been my first pick for the replacement, but logistically speaking, he is still doing post on episode eight. The movie doesn't come out for another three months, so... You can't, and they obviously want to get started on episode nine now so they can get it out for the release date that they pushed back even. Uh, so Ryan Johnson does not have time or cannot focus completely on episode nine while he's still trying to finish episode eight. So I think there's, and even if he did, he would have went right from eight into nine. Like he would have had no break whatsoever. And after two and a half, three years of your life, I think you need some downtime to just refresh after doing a Star Wars, especially a Star
1: Wars movie. That was the problem with the Hobbit films.
2: Did they do them all back-to-back?
1: Yeah, and Peter Jackson didn't want to even do two- one of them. <laughs> he tried to drop out of the first one. They said they couldn't get anyone to do the second one, so he was on for all three.
2: Okay. Yeah, that does sound familiar now. Yeah. yeah. Like they did a similar
1: thing with Lord of the Rings, but he was super into that project. Right. And they had it built out, but then he barely wanted to do the first Hobbit. No one wanted to direct the second one, so he had to do it. And you can tell. It's just him slowly... Like They have behind-the-scenes videos, you can see he just hates being there <laughs> and it's so depressing for him cuz i won a fucking oscar for the like the first trilogy and then they make they stretch out a single fucking book into three movies
2: yeah yeah the only reason he did the first one is cuz del toro had to back out mm mm-hmm. mhm and he was he was already sort of involved so he was like all right fine i'll do it, it as a favor to him kind of
0: mhm
2: and yeah they must they roped him in um yeah, so you're so you're just waiting, you, you're, you're fine with whatever. They're going to get the safe choice, you're okay with that? I would
1: prefer someone else that would have done something I think unique or taken a risk. I don't know if they would have let that person do that, so I almost don't care that they didn't pick that person. <laughs> we're not going to get a terrible movie, but I don't think we're going to get something where we're like, that's the best Star Wars movie, or that's even the best movie in the trilogy. Yeah. I don't think J.J. is going to deliver that, just because that's not the kind of director he is.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, two and a half years. We'll come back and see, see if we still feel the same way about all this. (laughs) If I'm like, oh my god, JJ fucked it up, or if you're like, oh my god, this is the best movie ever.
1: Yeah, guys, find the archives in episode 250. (laughs) 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 Dig it deep.
2: See where it goes. Uh, All right. So we're gonna move on to our first uh, trailer discussion, which is for Tomb Raider, which we got earlier this week. Uh, So this will be a rebooted movie. for this franchise. I don't know if they're trying to kick off another trilogy, I would imagine, Uh, but it seems to be like a take on Lara Croft's origin story. Uh, Anyone that played the Tomb Raider game from 2013 will probably notice some similarities in this trailer to the game. Uh, The movie stars Alicia... I don't know how to say her last name. Is it Vikander or Vikander or something close to that?
1: Vidar Vikander.
2: Jort, we'll go with that. Uh, is directed the movie will be uh, directed by a Norwegian film director and I only, I only mention he's Norwegian because I'm gonna butcher his name. Uh, Roar Uthag Uthag Uthog Uthag. Look this up Ian. tell me. I, th- you I know
1: because I can't believe like I refuse to believe that's his fucking name. <laughs> you barely said Norwegian. Like I was like oh god, <laughs> this is gonna be bad. <laughs> it looks like Roar Uthog. Yeah, Who's it think? does look like. Th- that's how you spell Roar, right? It's been a yeah. long since I've seen it written. <laughs> I bet it's like Roar, Roar, because I bet they're, they're missing like an umlaut or something. Okay. I feel like It's Ruar Uthog. Sure, let's go with that. Ruar Uthog. Alicia Vikander.
2: Vick- okay. Vikander. Okay. Vikander. Vikander.
1: Vikander. <laughs> Vikander. Check out my I'll sizzle reel on youtube.com <laughs> if you need any acting. I'll
2: just let you pronounce everybody's names from here on out. I think you do a better job. Josh than
1: me. does the insurance. I do all the pronouncing.
2: <laughs> I'll just start delegating stuff. I'll just be here to be like, all right, this is your job now. <laughs> that is your I job. I just now. know all the
1: people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's all the host has to do point at you and say, speak. <laughs> um, uh, all right, so before actually we get into the trailer. Uh, Ian, do you have any experiences with the Tomb Raider franchise? You've seen the other two movies with Angelina Jolie? You played any games, anything?
1: Um, I vaguely dabbled in the uh, 2013, was that, you said 2013, whenever that came out. Yeah, that was the, the rebooted Tomb the Raider The rebooted, game. the one that was called Tomb Raider. Yes. I, uh, and I uh, I made it 20 minutes into one of the um, Angelina Jolie Tomb Raiders before I like fell asleep or something. I forget why I stopped watching it. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't, like, that interesting, I guess. Like, I was going in just because I was like, well, I I know of Tomb Raider. I'd never played the original games back mm-hmm. when it was real pixely and stuff. Yeah. So I, I thought I'd try because I I like Angelina Jolie as an actress. So I was like, I'd give it a try for whatever reason. I think I, something came up. I think I was in college watching it and I had to go do something else and I just never went back to it. Like <laughs> okay, you know, it's it happens. Like I've I've, ter- I've walked away from even better things, I'm sure, in college <laughs> because something cool came up. So Tomb Raider not a property I'm passionate about. I guess that's that was the point of trying to make,
2: <laughs> trying to grab some new audience or new uh, viewers and stuff for this new fans. Yeah,
1: guys, if you hated all the other shit we talked about, you're gonna like our impassionate discussion about a franchise we know nothing about. <laughs>
2: I mean, I've played some of the games. I have seen the, the movies. It's been a while since I've seen the movies. Uh, funnily enough, those movies actually have some bigger stars in them. They weren't stars then. Like, the first Tomb Raider, I think, has Daniel Craig. Second Tomb Raider has Gerard Butler. So that was just... if Like, if you go back and watch them now, it's like, what the fuck are you guys doing in this movie? Uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, the games, I don't, I never really got into them on PlayStation, PS2. I did play tomb raider the 2013 game that sort of this movie is based off of that was actually a pretty cool game i think it took a lot of cues from uncharted like mm-hmm. once they saw uncharted well, as the adventure game doing well it was like hey we could tomb raider's an adventure game we could totally do something like that
1: well i think it is less to do with like stealing from uncharted that that's just where the adventure game genre is at this point in time Sure. Like, that's true. that's the beats i think all of them hit it's just uncharted is the most well put together one, so it feels like everyone's stealing from Uncharted, but that's just how you make an adventure game in current year. Yeah, Uncharted is the bar
2: mm-hmm. for adventure games now. So yeah, I think I even like that.
1: something like The Last of Us is similar to it. That's true. Yeah.
2: Um. So as you can see, we're we're sort of casual fans of Tomb Raider, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I so will say you...
1: after watching this trailer, I kind of want to go back and watch the Jolie ones now. Just because okay. I like the concept of the character of the tomb raider. Yeah. You know, I like this British lass going in and raiding tombs, <laughs> you know, just exploring. Like, they're, they're, it's a genre film, I'm not like, like... There's action films, but then this is more of a, like, a, a journey. Mm. Like Not like, um... What were those great Nick Cage movies where he was, like, finding the constitution <laughs>
2: National treasure.
1: So instead of, like, fighting the national treasure, she's just raiding tombs, doing whatever, Pandora's box opens up, Mystic Dawn happens.
2: Oh, see, you remember a little bit about the
1: movie. <laughs> That's the name of the fucking movie is Pandora's box. Is it? The second one, yeah. It's literally it Tomb like, Raider, of... the Pandora's box. Of, like, I thought it was like Tablet of
2: Time or something. Wasn't What the hell's... that? we gotta look them to up. Of. Cradle of Life, wasn't
1: it? It was Cradle of Life. That was at least one of them.
2: I got once. Was was.
1: Psych- Where the fuck did I find out it was about the fucking Pandora's box? Pandora's box. How did box I was know a, that?
2: Was at the? I think that was the first one. I think Pandora's box was in the first one.
1: That's uh, just called Tomb Raider, too.
2: Right. There's no subtitle. That's what I mean. Like you must have watched more of that movie than you think to well, get the Pandora's Boyd's box. It, so,
1: did you know, he was in Heat.
2: Wait, I forget. I didn't hear the name you mentioned. John Voight. Oh uh, yeah, he plays uh, Laura Cross' dad. Yeah,
1: good for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I I guess the, I'm gonna jump right into the trailer here. Like I I think a lot of people noticed, like you said, that it very reminiscent of the most recent game, which I assume is still the most recent game. They might have released another one by
2: now. There is another one. There is Rise of the Tomb Raider that is the sequel to the. 2013 game.
1: So they made an origin story game, and then the sequel to the origin story game is Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Um, <laughs> so I think people saw a lot of the same beats, and I guess from what I've read, I read a little bit about this, like, classic Tomb Raider is having, like, random weird organizations opposing Lara Croft. So okay. I, what's the one in this one called? Mystic or something? Trinity. Trinity. It's... <laughs> <laughs> How well did you watch this trailer? I watched it once, and I—I I was close. Mystic Trinity, no. So <laughs> it's that's it's it's one word. It's it's not even like threatening. You all right, know? you're getting too hung it's up just, on the Mystic Trinity just... here. Let's move it on. <laughs> Trinity is the key to feeling alive, and I think we all got that from this video. <laughs> That's it? That's the what you are going to make? I, uh, there's this band I'm listening to. That's the line in one of their songs. And I can't tell if it's a religious line or the band has three singers. I'm not sure which, <laughs> which Trinity they mean.
2: Is the band just called Trinity, Trinity or is it Mystic Trinity? Is that where you're getting this mystic thing from?
1: Uh, they're called Amaranth. So not even a trinity. So no, we're fucking Sweden, though. <laughs> just close to Norway.
2: Just trying to trying to bring it back around. I admire the effort. You're trying <laughs> to connect the dots.
1: Said you were. I didn't think you were going to ask me more about it. We were just cutting all this.
2: <laughs> oh no! It's staying in there now. It's 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 comedic gold. Podcast gold.
1: <laughs> uh, so on um, when I check out MoviePass for this, I think my <laughs> big my <laughs> big thing I'm going to be looking for. Is, I think they gave away essentially the whole plot in the trailer. Lara Croft discovers something her father left behind. She solves a puzzle by turning things. And then she's <laughs> betrayed. That's the basic Tomb Raider story. And they showed us all that. But it looks like it's going to be pretty well done. I think it's like something where we've gotten this with like, uh, not like Mad Max I thought was a spectacular film. But there's been other reboots like um The Dread. Where it no, just, right. it was really solid, really well put together. They hit what you wanted from the franchise, and I think that's where Tomb Raider's going to fall in place. It's not going to be a Mad Max, it's going to be a Dread. And that's not a bad thing.
2: Well, the only thing with Dread is that it didn't make very good, very much money at the box office. It has yeah. a good cult following, but it's still not enough for it to get a sequel. Is that where Tomb Raider's going to fall?
1: I, I think, since this is now the third Tomb Raider movie... <laughs> They're gonna make more of them, and I, I, they, they brought in a really well-known actress, an Academy Award-winning actress. Mm -hmm. So I I believe the plan is is they're gonna make more because I guess nowadays instead of winning Academy Awards, you try and make your own action franchise. It's apparently (laughs) the thing to do. So I I guess Dredge just my point for like what I think the movie's gonna be, not necessarily how it'll do like revenue-wise, box office. But I think it's, I don't think they're gonna exceed my expectations and hit me with a Mad Max where I'm like, that might be the best action movie I've seen in a decade. Where it's yeah. just gonna be really solid, hit the notes I want from Tomb Raider and be like, it's not gonna be Assassin's Creed where it's just like, why? <laughs> you know? You're gonna be like, I'm gonna, happy they put this out.
2: I was gonna bring that up because, sorta of ask, cause I, you know, I feel like we ask it all the time whenever we get to a movie of this or especially one that's based on a video game. Will this be the movie that finally makes a good video game adaptation to a movie? And, well, of course, the last time we asked that question was about Assassin's Creed, which the trailers
1: looked good for Assassin's Creed. But I think our all, I know my biggest issue with it was, and I'm sure, I think you guys agree with me, was that we're going to spend too much time in the modern day. Yeah. And what did they do? Spend too much time in the modern day and it ruined the film. Because still, all the best that.
2: parts of that movie is all the parkour assassin stuff that they did in the past. They exactly, just, there yeah. wasn't it's enough. The best story parts of the game to games too. It. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not a like 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 learn how to do your fucking job as a studio. <laughs> you know, like no one's buying Assassin's Creed because to get to walk around and like the fucking video game tech company like your guys trapped at <laughs> because you're like driving a fucking pirate ship.
2: Well, they make the games with 90% of you, like, playing in the Animus as the past, as the Mm -hmm. assassin. They just couldn't do a
1: movie that way. That's the thing, though. Do you not think the original two Tomb Raiders were good enough to be considered good video game adaptations?
2: I thought the first one was solid. The second one, I don't remember at all, which makes me think it was crap.
1: Well, I think with the second one, they just wanted to put her in that, like, silver suit.
2: I mean that was a redeeming factor for sure. No, I think th- like they
1: I... only made it because they're like fuck, that was in the contract and we forgot.
2: <laughs> get a $150 million budget around that just to get her in that swimsuit or the Money scuba skier general, or whatever like the hell it was.
1: Reasons. But I, I I I I think it I I guess that's where I'm not sure like what are we, like, are we saying it's going to be the best video game adaptation ever or just, cause I think we've hit the point where there's enough okay-ish ones that we're not like, it's not like we're still waiting around for like an iron, like an Iron Man, like just the, you know what I mean? Like a good superhero movie. I yeah. guess we already had those with like the Batmans and stuff, like we're not, so are you waiting for like an Iron Man, something that'll spawn super things or are we talking more like even the Batman movies you like with, um, the you know, I can't remember anyone from the with um, Danny DeVito. You know, we're like, Keaton.
2: huh? You, me talking about Michael Keaton.
1: Yeah, I, he's he's someone. <laughs> oh, he's Birdman. I okay. So Birdman, <laughs> Michael Keaton. Or you just mean like okay? Those were solid. I don't think they're like that great those Batman movies, but they're solid. I guess okay. is that what you're asking? Like, are they gonna hit that level or like the Nolan Batman level?
2: See, I, I mean, I feel like it could be argued that there isn't a lot, even a lot of okay video game movies. I feel like they're mostly panned. There's not a lot that I don't think people can walk away with and be like, "Oh, those are good." Because even Assassin's Creed, they had a good budget and some good stars in it, and it didn't do well. I, mean,
1: I think Warcraft was solid.
2: That's true. I did I like it. Warcraft. I Warcraft was good. It's a good fantasy. So like, I guess, fantasy yeah, I guess film. we're looking. I guess it's more we're looking for a breakout, something that gets. Critically praise something that makes money at the box office because I don't think a video game movie has done both of those.
1: I think this is, it has the perfect setup. It's an action movie, which always, or always in. It's got a female lead, which is real popular now. Like the, Mm -hmm. not, I, I, it's just a thing people are like doing, I guess, more and it gets talked about. So it helps bring in eyes to your property when you do something like that. They might. Right. They might try to spin it as the biggest budgeted female lead ever. Who knows? Well, it's got it some competition with
2: Wonder Woman now at this
1: point. I forgot about that. <laughs> that. That's the thing. There's so few of them that you don't think about them. I guess. It just—it's not hard to make a good action movie. It's hard to make a great one. I think yeah. if they hit good. They're gonna do well enough at the box office just because it's an Academy Award-winning actress doing an action movie that people are vaguely familiar with the concept of.
2: Yeah, brand recognition with just the name Tomb Raider, I think, will get people in the theater either way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know, I will say the the trailer actually made the movie look a lot better than I thought it was gonna look. It looks solid, yeah. When we discussed the movie prior, some well, past episode, I don't remember which one, but I think it was when they announced uh, Alicia Vikander as the as playing Laura Croft. I even think I had some reservations at that point because I didn't know if she how she'd fit in the role, if she was the right pick for that kind of thing. I didn't really know too much about her. But from the trailer, I would be glad to be proven wrong because I think she looks like she's kicking some ass in this movie. Nah, she
1: looks great. Like I I don't think it's going to be that bad max level just because it's so hard to make. I think that's just one of the better films to have come out. Like I thought that mm. should have won Best Picture that year. Yeah. So it's not like I'm saying this is going to be like a bad movie or something, but it should be really fun, and I, that's all I think we want at this point from video game just to convince people to finally make me this goddamn Mass Effect trilogy.
2: <laughs> they, they can't even sell Mass Effect games anymore, I don't know if we're going to get a movie out of it anymore.
1: That was a whole completely different studio working on that that should <laughs> never been put in charge of a game in the
0: first place.
2: Um... Yeah, I did like uh, with the trailer. I liked that they are already playing up her intelligence and her ability to solve puzzles in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Which you know, they're not just putting her like, oh, she's an action star. Look at all the action-y stuff she's doing. They actually feel like they're making a well-rounded, smart female character, which is rare even for female-led movies. Yeah. So I did appreciate that for the trailer. I'm I'm hoping that they flesh that out over the course of a two-hour movie,
1: and see where that goes. Because um, that's the big thing about the Tomb Raider games and the franchise. It's about the puzzles.
2: Right, yeah, she's not just shooting every I mean, shooting everyone is part of it, but for the most part, it's her intelligence and how she gets around the tombs and follows the puzzles and all that stuff. It'd the puzzle like, solving is a big part of the game.
1: It'd be like making a Metal Gear movie, but not focusing on the stealth.
2: There, yeah, there'd be no boxes in that movie. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure they're making a Metal Gear movie. They've probably been
1: making it. one for a decade. <laughs> that, that if you, if you ask Kojima, he's made five of them. <laughs>
2: Um, all right, so one question I was thinking too from the trailer, I couldn't tell if it was just cut specifically. Like, there's certain action sequences and stuff that happens where they cut almost like a split second out of like a motion or a mm-hmm. scene. So I don't know if that's to 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 uh, if they cut it just for the tra- like the tone of the trailer or the speed of the trailer or if it's something they're trying to hide. Okay, so my my thought is that they're going for an R rating, and if they show too much of something in a trailer, it makes it like red band or you're you're leaning hard into that rating. So my question is, do you think they'll go R rating for this movie, or do you think they'll keep it PG-13?
1: I mean, none of the games are M, right?
2: That's a good question. I didn't look that far into the games to see what they're rated. Because I don't think, like, there's... Obviously, you're shooting people. I don't know if there's a lot of blood. I don't know if there's language. I feel Mm -hmm. like language would put it over to an M. The earlier ones, I'm sure, like, PS1 and PS2 were probably teen rated. Mm Mm-hmm. The newer ones, I don't know. They they could be rated Mature. Because, I mean, there's some gruesome shit that happens in, in the Tomb Raider game. that The 2013 one. Because she gets the shit kicked out of her.
1: Really? Like, just like her... Oh, yeah, the 2013 one was rated Mature, so I guess... That's the other big thing, though, is I think... Video game M's Mature. is a lot different than a film R. Right. I think people interpret them way differently. You I'm really just have this, is, this is Warner
2: Brothers as a studio, and I think Warner Brothers is one of those studios that is starting to see the appeal to an R-rated movie like this, where I could see them taking a risk in making this rated R.
1: I guess it's, I think it would come down to how I would, what I would, what I would like to see it as an R film, of course. What I think would tip our tip their hand. Would be whether or not they plan on making this a franchise. If you think if it's a franchise creator, it's PG thirteen. If they're okay with a one off film, R. That's a good point.
2: Yeah. And I yeah, I'm I'm sure as hell they're playing a trilogy. So I I'm with that logic, yeah, I'm thinking it's probably going the right. end of PG thirteen.
1: Look how long it took us to get an R rated X-Men. Yeah. It's like twenty years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um all right, anything else to add for the Tomb Raider trailer? We'll move on to our last trailer.
1: I'm excited for the next one. Just, I would like to see more how these scenes play out, I guess. Like, I want to know how it going. You mean flows. the next trailer? You're waiting yeah, for the next yeah, trailer? Okay. Yeah. I want to, maybe even for the movie, because I, I feel like once she gets to this island, I feel like it should just flow, almost like you're playing the game where it's just hit, 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 you know? Yeah. It's like kind I mean, of the, almost like running, it almost feels like you're running. Like, through... Like, you could, in your head, visualize a map or, like, the layout of where she is on the island running through it, you know? Yeah. Like, it should be something like that where it's not... Where, like, a lot of action movies where You're like, wait, th- that would make no sense for them to be moving in all these directions. <laughs> that, like, does it add up to get to point A to B where I'm hoping with this, like, it's a clear, like, a John Wick style. You're like, oh, yeah, he clearly ended up there because of how yeah. he moved, you know?
2: There's actually... this. Reminded me of something else i was reading online some of the stupid troll comments um there's people i think that are looking at the trailer and saying that it it differs from the video game because the video game was all about like laura had never been on like she's not a seasoned tomb raider yeah so this is sort of like her origin she gets stranded on an island has to serve has to you know makeshift tools to survive she makes a bow and arrow she has to hunt and then eventually starts picking up weapons off of dead guys, and then she gets better as the game goes on. But it's a lot of platforming, there's puzzle solving, all that kind of stuff. The trailer makes it seem like, with the message from her dad, her dad telling her to stop this Trinity force from, you know, ending the world or whatever they have to do. And it seems to hint that she's already, like, fully capable of doing all this stuff, and, like, she's, she's done this kind of thing before, and they're saying that it, you know... That part of the, it differs from the video game in that sense, that it's not technically an origin story, because she knows exactly what she's doing, and she just kind of gets stuck on this island. I don't, I don't know. Do you think they're reading too much into it, or is that a valid complaint, do you think?
1: I, I don't think it's a valid complaint, but I think it's, it's true. Where it's like, I'm, and I'm fine with that. Like, we get enough origin stories as it is. Mm. Like, especially when it's a well-known character like this, I don't need the fucking origin story. <laughs> just you know, that's I didn't need the origin story of Spider Man again. Yeah, just give me it, and I think that's fine. Like, do you want to see her like not being able to use weapons or run good for like a half <laughs> hour? No, just let her raid the tomb already. You know,
2: well, even like I think even if she is you know a seasoned tomb raider, I guess at this point, I think that just lends to the survival skills. Like, in, you can mm-hmm. still put her in dire situations on the island trying to survive. Like You just might be a little bit more confident she's going to get out of it that way because you know she's a little bit more
1: capable. Fast and Furious didn't start with Toretto getting his driver's license. <laughs> like, you know?
2: I feel like you can make that argument for every origin story from here on out. Like that's, <laughs> that's what you can do. That's getting like
1: Otsu's pull up the Fast franchise. They <laughs> didn't show the rock ejecting himself of a massive amount of steroids that would kill an elephant. <laughs> he just was that big. <laughs> He just wore shirts too small. It's just just what they do. They literally have to sew it onto his body.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Once the scene is done, he just rips it off and gets another one, and they sew the next one on. They
1: just don't last that long. It's literally five (laughs) minutes. They got one take. He
2: can't flex his muscles at all or bend over because they just rip and they got to get a new one. He actually broke a cast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's great. Um, all right. Last trailer we're going to talk about is for the Punisher. So this is uh, Marvel and Netflix next series that they're doing after defenders. Um, we talked about, I think when we, when we reviewed defenders, uh, we were a little unsure at the time, what series would be coming out or when. So they've answered the call for us. The Punisher is next as of right now. Uh, all we know is that it's coming out later this year, even all the marketing and even this trailer Still black out like the specific release date, so we don't know what month, we don't know what day, but by the end of the year, this will be on Netflix.
1: Wait, I didn't notice that. Did they like literally black out like where the date would be on the trailer? Yes. Okay, I got it. Since
2: I... I guess the plot has to do with like numbers, some sort of CIA <laughs> cover up. Well, uh, so, yeah,
1: no, it just makes more sense. <laughs> 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 what did you say? So it has to do with letters, numbers, like they're, numbers. they're blocking out the numbers because you can add them up to figure out the story.
2: <laughs> no yeah i don't think it's that in depth <laughs> that'd
1: be weird if like your release date spoiled the fucking like <laughs> plot lines
2: <laughs> you got some weird conspiracy theories going on there
1: oh dude Seven <laughs> Eleven.
2: uh so this could be a really fun conversation because the only person i think right now that i know of the show that doesn't watch any of these or doesn't have a netflix subscription is ian and he is the only one here with me to talk about this trailer hey guys <laughs> so, uh, what did you what do you think of the trailer?
1: Okay, so I like the Punisher. I think it's a cool concept of a Marvel character. He's one of their bigger, well known characters. He got a movie well before a lot of these other guys did. Yeah. And the big thing about the Punisher is he's not a super. Mm-hmm. He's the Punisher. He's just like basically a SEAL Team Six guy that's going on a rampage because his family's dead. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. Just a fun new type of Marvel character. Like I think it brings in with the Defenders where they're more the street level guys. That's what Frank Castle is. He works the streets. He's hungry. He wants to fucking eat that meat. You know, <laughs> that's why he goes out and hunts like a wolf. A wolf! And I just trailer really brought out. Like they start off obviously with killing his family. That's like the that that's how it starts. Yeah. Like literally, that. I like, don't even think that's a spoiler, which I which I'm a little surprised by. I (laughs) thought they might have considered that a spoiler, but nope, that's the only, that's the first thing you see in the trailer. (laughs) His family's dead. And I think that's why the people are drawn to the Punisher, because after, you'll never believe this, folks, but he gets revenge for his family being (laughs) killed. And he, he becomes this type of hero that... As a Batman, he has a set of rules almost. But instead of Batman, his is kill everyone. <laughs> That's his rule. Like even like shoplifters, fuck them. They deserve to die. And I think it's a real unique take because he's such a like. There's a moral. There's not a of moral gray characters. And I think they're a lot more popular, especially with like Breaking Bad and stuff, where you emphasize with the bad guys. Whereas the Punisher isn't so much as like a moral light, but a moral black, where the punishment for everything is death. Yeah, And I think it's a real cool concept, almost, for a character where you're kind of rooting for him because he's the good guy. But at the same time, you're like, maybe you didn't need to kill everyone. (laughs) You know?
2: Uh, So you might not know this. Well, you probably don't because you don't watch the other series. But Punisher does show up in the second season of Daredevil. You've mentioned it. Okay. So... I th- like he mentions about his family being killed and all that stuff, so I don't think it's a spoiler for the trailer because if you've watched season two of Daredevil, you sort of get that backstory. Mm-hmm. So we um, spoiled it.
1: Daredevil, not even. Yes, monster. right. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> well, at the time, he didn't. He wasn't announced to have his show. It was, I think, his appearance in Daredevil that fans gravitated towards and really liked. That now he got a show out of that, and I think they played a little bit. They they played a little bit in Daredevil with like is what he's doing morally right. Can he come back from that side and then by the end of the by the end of that season he's like, "Nope. Yeah, I'm, I know what I got to do. I got to kill everybody. I've got my plan. This is how I am." Um so yeah, looking forward to seeing where that goes from from Daredevil into his own series. I think that and we'll probably get some sort of obviously the stuff that happens to his family is probably going to be some sort of a flashback thing. That's not like like it's his family didn't magically come back after Daredevil season 2 or something. Um, But it seems like the story that they hint at from the trailer ties into his family's murder, some sort of CIA cover up that he was a mission, part of a mission, like they tried to go after Frank, but they ended up getting his family instead and and all that kind of stuff. Well, I guess that's how the origin stories normally, they all play out that way. They're trying to get Frank, but they get the family instead. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's not new. Um, But I really liked how the one thing that stood out to me was just the way the trailer was cut and edited. Yeah that it was cut to uh, Metallica's one, I think, right? Was that the song they chose? I believe so. Um, but yeah, that worked really,
1: really well. I was kind of hoping for something more like punk rock, like faster <laughs> paced, you know? Okay. Like like the, 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 the that was heavy, but I was hoping for like a real like quick <laughs> fast paced punk thing that could have flown well, especially with the, like, I think my favorite shot of it, is he's walking and it's like that darkened room, and he shoots the guy like in the foot once, turns the gun sideways, gets him in the head. Yeah. Next, uh, resets the gun, hits the next guy in the head. Just that like quick motion. I really thought that like that looked really cool.
2: You know what they reminded me of it was John Wick.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's kind of maybe what they're going for is that like that style, this very like John Wick's an experienced assassin, where Frank Castle's an experienced basically murderer. Yeah. Yeah, I guess to show like how efficient he
2: is. Right. Yeah, that's a good word, efficient. Because I was trying to think, like, it's not, like, when you mentioned it's like John Wick, it's not, I don't think it's going to be as stylized as John Wick was. Because um, I think just the style of Frank is he's just basically like a battering ram.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be more brutal.
2: Yeah. Just running in there and gunning, not worried about cover or fancy reloads or any of that stuff. It's just going to be tactical, precise, efficient. And yeah, I th- all that looked, if they if they can queue up action sequences and gunfights that way, where the, like, I've gone on record talking about how I hate shaky cam and really close up shots for action sequences. I don't think any of the stuff with the gunplay needs to be close up in people's faces. I think you pull the camera back, you let them work with the guns. Like that shot that you described in particular is perfect. I want all the action sequences in that show to look and feel like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the other thing you mentioned about his style of not taking cover and stuff. I think that stems from basically his origin story. He doesn't plan on surviving this mission. That's sure, yeah. yeah. To get revenge for his family, and then he would be okay with dying. And it almost pains him to have to live afterwards. Yeah, and I think that's that's another great part of his character. Is I, I think they've dealt with it in a couple issues where he deals with suicidal thoughts and stuff.
2: Okay, yeah, I think
1: that's a cool concept because the mental illness thing isn't well explored in comic books where. Most superheroes are kind of like mentally ill, like super <laughs> freaks running around that had no place in society, <laughs> but they don't like touch on it. Like that's an actual problem or something.
2: It's yeah. You always want to dive into the psyche of a man that dresses up in his giant bat costume and goes out at night and beats the crap out of criminals. I think the
1: Punisher is just one of those guys that's so close to being someone that could actually exist. It's kind of almost scary.
2: Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, so just, uh. Since you haven't watched the other Netflix series, did this trailer give you any questions that you are curious about from anything else?
1: Not necessarily, because I guess if there was any connections to the other series, I didn't notice them.
2: Yeah, there is one character that is from Daredevil that shows up in the trailer quick couple shots of her. And that's, yeah, that's about it.
1: But I mean, like, I, I guess it's just I feel like I have a solid enough standing on what a Punisher origin story is going to be. I think it's just going to look really fucking awesome.
2: Yeah, I think even if you didn't watch the, any of the other Netflix series, you could. I feel like you could probably just jump into the Punisher series and be fine.
1: No, I think that's a good thing for them to do as well. Yeah. Because I think he's a – out of all of the ones on Netflix, other than maybe Daredevil, he's the biggest draw for maybe a casual fan mm. where you would want to have his almost be like a standalone series where they might just want to watch that one.
2: Right. Well, that was sort of my next question is do you think this looks interesting enough for you that you would actually give Netflix a try?
1: I actually might act for this one.
2: Get the free free month free trial. Uh I think I mean I think we've hit most of the questions that I had to be answered. So I don't know if there's anything else that stuck out to you for Punisher otherwise we'll wrap it up. Yeah. All right, well if you actually do decide to give Netflix a shot once this comes out, you feel free to come back and talk about the show. See what you think. Okay. Open invite to come back.
1: Yeah, I, I I think I always have one.
2: Yeah, at this point you just don't leave anymore. You're you're.
1: You just I'm, hit me up. After, I was surprised you hit me up on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday. <laughs> it's like damn, no one else must be coming on. I'm, I'm on a Tuesday.
2: I'm waiting for the time when like we've done so many of these in a row with you that I just get tired of. I've hit like my girl cock quota, and I'm just like, nope, we're done with the for a li- I got to take a break. I just
1: wanted to mention it. I didn't even say it this week.
2: That you know that is true, and I feel appalled at myself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is that the outro?
2: Because <laughs> we <were, laughs> you know, and I was going to mention too, you were doing really good this episode. We had some really good discussions. Yeah, I should just make it just you and I more often because I think that's when you shine. That's you're at your best that way.
1: I even did movie pass without doing anything weird.
2: I know. <laughs> and I was going to mention something after the movie pass segment, but I was like, nope, I don't want to get them started on that, so I'm just going to let it slide. Yeah, but
1: I've talked like twice, and it wasn't <laughs> that bad.
2: Right. So at least, I'm, I'm happy that I saved it at least for the end. So now, if, you know, wherever it goes from here, we're done. So we'll just wrap it up. And...
1: I mean, I, I personally do it the whole time.
2: <laughs> you were just quietly suppressing every instinct in your body.
1: I know. I'm just looking for jobs now, so I don't want to talk about curl cops. <laughs> <laughs> just,
2: just tell them don't listen to the last five minutes of the show, and they'll be I fine. I
1: my intro because I was like, man, I'm looking for a job. So talk <laughs> about it's like sirens are normal enough, right? <laughs>
2: uh, all right, so that's good enough time to any any to end. I think I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, hey. did you, were you adding something else or is that... No, that's just, that's just what I <laughs> say. <"Hey." laughs> it's a catchphrase. You, you and your okay. Uh, if you've enjoyed this show, please stop by iTunes, uh, leave us a five star rating and review. Uh, be sure to share, subscribe. Like anything. Yeah, really, at this point, whatever whatever you want to give us is totally fine.
1: And get your questions in for the 150th, don't <laughs> they because the spots for questions go away real quick. People just keep throwing them at us. Still getting questions from the 50th.
2: Yes, that is very untrue. So please give us any questions you can. We're always listening. Uh, you can find us on Facebook... <laughs> <laughs> search for Bright Guy Super Friends, or go to www.facebook.com facebook. slash Bright Super Friends. Uh, and if you'd rather email us, you can email us at dot com. Or if you want to tweet us, uh, we are on Twitter at bgsuperfriends. Any one of those avenues will work. And on behalf of Josh, Ian, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> that that whatever the hell that noise is is getting cut. That was. <laughs> Terrible.